0: Good morning, everybody. It is seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. As we make our way around the world of sports this morning, lots to talk about a great, great victory for the Boston Red Sox last night. Uh, if If you listen to my show yesterday, I had that one in the L column. Uh, So to say I was uh, surprised would be a bit of an understatement. Um, They beat Jacob DeGrom. Look, they didn't batter DeGrom all over the ballpark, but they did just enough to win that game. So we'll get to that in a minute. Um, Some good news and some bad news, a little bit of a mixed bag uh, if uh, you are a fan of the University of Connecticut this morning. The good news, uh, their golf team won the Big East title for the first time in like uh, 25 years. I think the last time they won it was 1994. Uh, They beat Marquette, and they now go to the NCAA regionals. That's cool. I mean, and this is a program, by the way. UConn almost dropped the golf program. Uh, That was one of the uh, sports that was on the list uh, to be jettisoned. Uh, It has survived, and uh, it has won the conference title, which is pretty cool. Uh, The other good news, and and it's – I, I mean, it's good news in that they, the board of trustees has approved a plan to build a new hockey arena on campus. Um, the good news, I guess, I mean, $20 million, it's going to be a $70 million building, 20 million of it. Uh, they're going to use donations. They're going to bond 33 million and the university is going to kick in 17 million more. Uh, 11 and a half of that will come from selling their West Hartford campus and uh, a couple of other properties. But at a time when the university is dropping sports and is struggling uh, with a budget deficit, uh, you know, it just seems kind of odd. At the same time, by not having to pay to play more games at the Excel Center in downtown Hartford, you know, maybe I guess long term uh, it, it, it works financially. And also, you know, they'll still play a few games at the Civic Center for the bigger uh, Hockey East games, but this is going to hold about 2,600 people, which is a nice uh, a nice number for college hockey. It's a—the a, uh, place will be rocking. They'll have no trouble putting 2,600 in there. You put 2,600 or 3,000 or whatever in the XL Center, and it's like there's nobody there. So— Uh, That's, you know, so from that standpoint, it's good. It's just with everything going on financially, it's just an odd time to announce that. And I say odd time because the same day they announced that they were going to build this hockey rink. The women's rowing team filed a lawsuit against the University of Connecticut for Title IX violations because, women's rowing is one of the teams that is being dropped. Now, we've discussed it here on the station before. Title IX simply means that the percentage of your student athletes, male to female, has to match what your overall undergraduate ratio of males to females are in the population. So you have to give, it has to be, the percentage has to be the same. You have to give equal opportunities, yada, yada, yada. So, you know, and women's rowing has a rather large roster. It had, I think, 35 people on the team. And uh, the women are claiming that uh, the, the attorney for the, the team is claiming that uh, the, the university is out of compliance. Um, now, a lot of this Title IX compliance, it's all paperwork stuff. You know, uh, I saw it many times where a a school will say to one particular coach, hey, be it on the female side, it might say, "Hey, you have to carry more people. You know, you have to may have to carry extra athletes because we need to get in Title Nine compliance." Or I've seen the opposite, where teams have men's teams have had to limit their rosters so they don't get out of uh, out of whack in terms of their Title Nine compliance. Well, th- this is going to drag out for a while, um, but uh, <laughs> you know, I guess if you're UConn. You don't want to see that on the front page of the sports section. That was the top of the fold uh, this morning in the Hartford Current um, sports section was about the lawsuit. So it's good. It's going to drag out for a while. Uh, look, I don't think unless the the numbers are really whacked, I don't think that this lawsuit has a chance to succeed. Why? Because I think universities has to, have to have the flexibility to be able to make adjustments to their programs as they say f- see fit to stay. In compliance or to stay financially solvent. You know, to force a team or if to force a university to carry sports and have them continually lose money is kind of crazy. Now and look, women's rowing is not a team a sport that costs a ton of money, okay? So this isn't about rowing in particular, it's about the school having the ability to make their own decisions and not be forced by a court to uh, To carry a sport that they don't necessarily want to carry or they don't feel that they can financially afford, so that's uh, so that's where we're at. We'll we'll have to follow that. Let's uh, let's get to baseball from last night. If you listened to the show yesterday, you heard me saying, "Well, it's good that they got game one in this series because it's Jacob Degrom tonight, and good luck." Um. And once again, Jacob deGrom throws an absolute gem for the Mets. Now he went only went six innings, and uh, he probably could have come out for the seventh. I think he had thrown in the low 90s. They probably could have brought him out for another inning, but it's early in the season. They have to protect him. I get it. But he gave up just three hits. He struck out nine. He walked one. He gave up one run. He gave up a line drive double in the second inning to Xander Bogarts, and uh, after Rafi Devers moved him over to third base, Christian Vasquez somehow turned a hundred mile an hour pitch up around the letters uh, and got it out into the outfield. It wasn't stung; it uh, it kind of blooped in there. But you take it; it's the only run of the game. And you have to tip your cap to this Red Sox pitching staff. This and and you know it's one of those things where you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. You really are in terms of this pitching staff. We have seen a couple of bad starts, mostly by Garrett Richards and Martín Pérez. But then Garrett Richards the last time out did you know was ridiculous. So maybe he's turning that around. Nick Pavetta still has not lost as a Red Sox starting pitcher since they acquired him from Philadelphia as part of that trade for Brandon Workman and Heath Embry last year. Think about that. He's five and zero. Uh, he's three, and zero this season, he's got an ERA, of 2.81. Yet when you watch this guy pitch, you are a nervous wreck. You always feel like he is one pitch away from, you know, disaster. Even if there's nobody on and two outs, you're just waiting, you know, and it looked like it was going to go badly early in the first inning, walked a couple of guys, you know, and you're like, oh my God. And they, you know, look, they got a couple of big double plays in this game. Yeah, Pavetta only ended up allowing one hit in five innings. Struck out seven, walked three, threw 93 pitches, 55 for strikes. So he wasn't exactly the most efficient in the world, but for a guy who's your number four or number five starter, you will take that every day of the week. Um, so he's 3-0. And Jacob DeGrom once again uh, loses a game because his team can't hit the ball at all. They had just two hits off of Red Sox pitching. After Pavetta left the game, Garrett Whitlock continues his mastery, still has not allowed an earned run this season, pitched two shutout innings, struck out four in those two innings. Adam Adovino with a scoreless eighth, and Matt Barnes on 12 pitches strikes out the side in the ninth inning. It was, I mean, he has just been otherworldly here at the start of the season. And uh, as my friend Matt Corey said, the best part about Garrett Whitlock is Is that the Yankees don't have him, and we do? Uh, You know, it was a a guy who was a Rule Five pick, and usually those guys are a crapshoot. If you remember last year, the Red Sox had a Rule Five guy uh, they carried all season long, and Jonathan Arauz, who was you know, look, he you know, he was okay. You know, he not going to set the world on fire, and who knows if he'll ever make it back to the majors again? But they kept him all season in that sixty-game short season last year. Garrett Whitlock is a Rule 5 guy who is making an absolute impact on this Red Sox team. So he pitches the 6th and 7th, and now and Barnes, Barnes close it out. We talked about this before. I talked about it on the podcast, the Boys of Summer podcast I did last week. If you are Jacob DeGrom, at what point do you just throw up your hands and say, I've had enough of this? Now, he's signed through 2025, but he has an opt-out in his contract after the 2022 season, if you are Jacob DeGrom, don't you have to think seriously about moving on? <laughs> I mean, look, he is 33 years old. This is a guy that kind of got a bit of a late start being the dominant pitcher that he is. Uh, he's in his, what, His this is his eighth season. In eight seasons, he has only won 70 two games. That's an average of nine wins a season. Now, I guess you can't really count this season. So in the previous eight seasons, he's won 70 games, right? Think about that. Yet he has an ERA of 2.55. He is, he is allowed 250 fewer hits than innings pitched. He, he struck out 1400 guys in 1200 innings. Opponents have hit, 217 off of him in his career, and yet this guy only has 72 wins. This is a guy, if he pitches two more years, because you have to pitch, I think, 10. They made an exception, I think, for Sandy Koufax, but you have to pitch 10 years. He could become the first Hall of Famer to not even win 150 games in his career as a starting pitcher and getting into the Hall of Fame. Think about that. He's got 72 wins and he's 33 years old. At this pace, if he continues this for another eight years and pitches until like he's 40, he's not going to have 150 wins if he stays with the Mets and they continue to do this. It's absolutely mind boggling. You know, you win a Cy Young when you're 10 and 9. You know, in the following year, you're almost as good and you, you, you go 11 and 8. You know, and the. Analytics nerds want to tell you, well, that's why wins are an overrated statistic in Major League Baseball. We shouldn't pay attention to them. Okay, I get it. You know, it's it's whether your team wins the game or not. But the problem is, is that, and it can't, it's obviously, it's nothing personal, right? Obviously, it's not like the Mets said, well, DeGrom's pitching, let's take the night off. But it's just Insane. You know, so if I'm him, I don't know how much more of that I can take. Um, So the other part last night, which was amazing, when you talk about the pitching on the other side, Nick Pavetta, those five innings, he had, believe it or not, the pitcher had the longest at bat against Jacob DeGrom by any batter all year. Think about that for a minute. Nick Pavetta, now look, he's got... Nine hits in his career because he played in the National League. He has nine hits in his career. So he's batted a little bit. He had a 10-pitch at bat against Jacob deGrom in the third inning. He ended up striking out, but he fouled off like three or four straight pitches. But no batter had had a 10-pitch at bat against Jacob deGrom all season, and Nick Pavetta did it. That tells you how yesterday went. And Jacob deGrom – you know it's crazy. The Red Sox struck out 15 times last night. Degrom had nine of them, and then the bullpen struck out six more. It wasn't like the Red Sox were world beaters last night. They just got the hit. They they got the hit in the key situation. The Mets had a couple of chances uh, with the walks early in the game and couldn't get it done. But the Re- the Red Sox struck out 15 times yesterday. It's the most they've struck out in six years. They struck out 16 times back in April 29th of 2015, so almost six years to the date. Guess who started that game when they struck out 16 times in a game? You got it. Jacob DeGrom. So beating him last night, absolutely huge. The Red Sox are in first place. We talked about this yesterday. If they play 500 ball between now and the end of the year, they're seven games over 500, they'd have 88 wins. That's probably getting them in the playoffs. All they got to do is play 500 ball the rest of the way. Now, obviously, You know, Red Sox fans want more than that. But that's what this early start has done for this team. Absolutely mind-blowing. The other news they got, of course, they head for Texas uh, tonight. Martin Perez is going to try to do what Garrett Richards did the other night, which is turn it around. Uh, Martin Perez has been awful. And he will pitch tonight against uh, Kyle Gibson, who's been uh, pretty good his last couple of starts for the Texas Rangers, but this is an opportunity for the Red Sox. they are seven games over 500. Their next three series are all against teams with losing records. They have the Rangers for four. The Rangers are 10 and 15. Then the Red Sox come back and they take on the Detroit Tigers who are eight and 16. And then they have the Orioles again, who are 10 and 14. So, it, all they've got to do is take care of business against these teams that are under 500, and the Red Sox are going, are going to probably increase this lead. Absolutely amazing, a three-game lead uh, in uh, in the American League East. And I know it's the end of April, and I know we still have, you know, a long, long way to go. We still have five months before the regular season's over. But my goodness, it doesn't get any better than that if you're a Red Sox fan. Uh, one other quick note about last night's game. Well, actually, two quick notes. How about Francisco Lindor? The booze raining down on him yesterday, for the second straight game. The fans in uh, New York not happy. Well, Francisco Lindor is hitting two oh three. I mean, you know, it's not like. Uh, and but the funny part is, is you know, Lindor's like, well, I'm not in a slump. You know, he said, if I'm over thirty, I'm in a slump. And, you know, you can – I I would have to agree with that. He had a couple of balls last night that could have been hits. He smoked one um, at Marwin Gonzalez late in the game that looked like it was labeled for right field, and Gonzalez went up really high and made a great catch. And, I mean, he smoked that thing. But for a guy who just signed that $341 million contract, he's got three runs batted in through 19 games. And welcome to New York. You know, in Cleveland, you can get away with that because nobody cares. In New York, if you go over four, you're getting booed. Even if even if you were hitting 350 going into the game, if you strike out with the bases loaded, you're getting booed. Well, you know, and Bob Austin's the same way. It's rough. I mean, there's no question. But uh, it, this is a new one for Lindor. Uh, the other thing from last night, and uh, I don't know how he. I hope he's okay. Jerry Lane, the home plate umpire last night. Took a foul ball to the mask last night, flush, right in the middle of the mask. Now, obviously, having the mask saved his life. I mean, because that could have killed him. But you know, for those of you that think being back behind the plate, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter if you know you take one off the mask, you're going to be fine. The catchers, that's why they wear the mask. Let me tell you something. Now, I've never been a catcher, um, and because. I like to say I was too intelligent to be a catcher. and no. <laughs> I, I think I My friend Dave Massey, who listens to the show, was a college catcher, and I'm sure he took more than one uh, off the off the face mask. Uh, but I have been an umpire, and I have gotten drilled by some balls in the mask like that. And Lane last night took it, and he staggered. It looked like he was going to go down. The only thing holding him up was Christian Vasquez. Had to leave the game. Hunter Wendelstadt came back from uh, first base. Finish the game. I hope he's okay, but man, he got absolutely smoked on that one. So Red Sox, seven games over five hundred. The Yankees uh, seem to have things going in the right direction now. It looks like they are finally uh, starting to perform the way people expect them to. They have won five out of seven. They pick up the shutout victory last night. Domingo Herman was great for seven innings for the Yankees last night. He became the only pitcher not named Garrett Cole to go seven innings for the Yankees this year. Struck out six, walked one, only gave up three hits, uh, Even his record at two and two. Uh, Michael King finished it out with two scoreless innings, and uh, the Yankees cruised home on that one. Uh, uh, Frazier, Clint Frazier hit his first home run of the season last night. That, by the way, that was after getting thrown out on the bases uh, an inning before that. Uh, Clint Frazier is a uh, an adventurer. You know, everybody likes this guy because he he can hit the ball, but uh, defensively he is a bit of a um, a crapshoot. Uh, he has uh, not is not the greatest base runner, and not just from last night. He has made other base running blunders in his career, uh, but uh, he obviously has a lot of talent with the bat. So, um, her mom was great. Did not give up a hit until there were two outs in the fifth inning of the game last night. So, uh, Yankees keep pace. They now are two games under five hundred. They are 11-13. and 13. By the way, uh, Aaron Judge did not play in this game. Um, Gary Sanchez did not play in this game yet again. Kyle Higashioka back behind the plate last night as Sanchez continues to struggle. And Aaron Boone, after the game, said that Judge was, he, he called it a little banged-up. Uh, in a number of areas in the lower body. I'm not sure what the hell that means. But, look, he has had a series of injuries. He's had some issues with that oblique. Um, and so, you know, if you're a Yankee fan, you're hoping that it's not anything too serious. But they did hold him out of yesterday's game, and he probably will play today. Or they're hoping he's going to be able to play today. It's going of be a game-time decision. But, uh, uh, again... You know, it's one of those things where that is a big spot in the middle of your lineup, and, you know, you need him there. But fortunately for the Yankees, they were playing the Orioles. They got 12 hits last night. D.J. LeMahieu, by the way, had two more hits last night, uh, starting to get the batting average up. The reigning American League batting champion uh, went two for five last night. It was It was his 88th multi-hit game since joining the Yankees. John uh, Carlos Stanton, with uh, three hits last night, got the average creeping up to its. Well, it's not. No, I was gonna say creeping up the respectability. He's still hitting just uh, two twenty nine on the season. Brett Gardner was in left field last night, went over. So, uh, but the Yankees will take it. The uh, Tampa Bay Rays kept pace as well. Tyler Glass, now their ace on the hill last night, went seven, struck out ten, walked two, no runs, five hits. And they shut out the Oakland Athletics two to nothing. Uh, the A's are starting to come back down to earth a little bit. Um, they did manage seven hits, but just couldn't get them in big spots. Kevin Kiermeyer, a huge defensive play late in this game in the seventh inning uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays, and uh, the Rays win it two nothing. So they are now thirteen and twelve, and three games behind the Boston Red Sox. So, um, Sox will take it. But Tyler Glassnell, no. you know what's amazing? I mean, this is a guy that, that when he was in Pittsburgh, it was didn't look like, uh, you know, had a lot of promise, didn't look like he was going anywhere. They bring him to Tampa. You know, they kind of started using him very slowly. They have kind of slowly built him up over the last few years, and uh, he has now become the ace. He has taken over that spot that Blake Snell had, and prior to that, it was Chris Archer. But it's amazing how the Rays can continue to get these pitchers and find ways to get the most out of them, you know, whether you like what they do or not. And as I said, you know, they drive me crazy. Kevin Cash, uh, with some of the things he does, but there is no denying, uh, what they are able to do. Dave Matthews just checked in. He said, Hey, Hey, catchers are the smartest players. <laughs> but, but that, well, okay. I'll go with that. Dave, you know what, Dave, you are always a smart guy and you still are, but there is a reason why people call them the tools of ignorance. Just saying. It's 29 minutes past the hour. We got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the wake up call on Sports Country. It's 32 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake up call. Well, of course, today is Christmas for NFL fans. Uh, today is the day for the first round of the NFL draft. Our buddy Dan Zampano <laughs> tweeted out. Uh, Last night, that he couldn't sleep. He was so excited about tonight, and uh, great show last night. By the way, Dan uh, and Matty Ice with a great show last night about uh, the draft. Their their mock draft, and according to uh, those guys, they think that the Patriots are going to trade up to the number nine pick and uh, and grab Mac Jones. That's if Mac Jones still is available at number nine, and you know most experts have quarterbacks going one through three and uh, and four quarterbacks total going in the first round. I mean, we'll see. Uh, but a report this morning that was in the athletic, and again, you take the, you know, who knows where these guys come up with this, but according to Jeff Howe, who writes for the athletic, the Patriots are trying to, or have reached out at least to the Atlanta Falcons about trading up in the draft and trying to get into that number 4 position. Uh supposedly that they are enamored with Justin Fields and they would like to move up in the draft for an opportunity to get to to get him. Now the Patriots have not had a top 4 pick since 1994. <laughs> It has been 27 years since the Patriots drafted in the top four. And when they did that, uh, they took Willie McGinnis, who turned out to be a, a very, very good player. Um, so we'll see. A lot is going to depend on what happens in some of these other cases. For instance, you know there was talk that the, the 49ers may be looking to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, that hasn't happened. But a big shakeup did happen last night and that is that Teddy Bridgewater got traded by the Carolina Panthers. They sent him to the Denver Broncos, and in exchange, Carolina is going to get a sixth-round pick. Uh, But now, of course, with Sam Darnold being traded to Carolina, he becomes their starting quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater becomes uh, extra baggage. So now the Broncos have Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. Now, look, Drew Locke has not proven to anyone that he is ready to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Teddy Bridgewater has been a backup for a good portion of his career, but he has also shown the ability at times. I mean, look what he did with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, you know, that's that stint he had with the Saints when uh, Drew Brees was hurt is part of the reason, I think, that uh, – he has gotten as much, uh, I I don't know, but as much respect as he has just that one short stint. Uh, but so now if you are the Broncos, does that change what you think about doing with that number nine pick? And as we said, uh, Dan Zampano and, uh, the guys from, uh, the Sunday card think that the Patriots are going to trade up to the number nine pick. We'll see. We'll see. But, According to the athletic, the Patriots are trying to get the Atlanta Falcons pick at number four. Uh, it all starts tonight. it's all televised and the good news is tonight it, we're not gonna have to look at uh, Roger Goodell's basement. <laughs> uh, they're gonna do it live. So a lot of the picks will be there uh, and have a chance to uh, uh, meet the commissioner in person so that's that's good. Uh, according to the Boston Globe, by the way, The Boston Globe shows the Patriots trading down. A lot of people think they're going to trade up. Well, a mock draft that ran this morning uh, in the Boston Globe, Jim McBride had this. He thinks that the Patriots are going to trade down in the draft with the Green Bay Packers and get the number 29 overall pick and kind of take a sleeper. Uh, Davis Mills, the quarterback from Stanford, and that's a guy that a lot of people have pointed out could be the great sleeper of this draft, but most people think he's a second-round pick. But they think of the Patriots' trade down, uh, they might very well take Davis Mills at that number 29 pick. So, I mean, everybody's got an opinion. We know what those are usually worth, uh, but we will break it all down for you tomorrow morning. Dan Zapano is going to join us on the show tomorrow morning uh, at 9.30 to talk about uh, the first round tonight and it is going to be fascinating. I don't think I think this may be the most anticipated draft in a long long time simply because of all the movement that we've seen in quarterbacks in the offseason the fact that you have some teams that desperately need a starting quarterback and the fact that the Patriots who are you know perennial Super Bowl contenders and last year took a huge step back and we saw that you know, that gaping hole at quarterback, uh, they are kind of, uh, I think they are almost the, they're almost a linchpin to this draft because if they trade up, it's going, it, it could shake up everything. So uh, anyway, you'll, it'll be on starting tonight. Everybody will be salivating, and I'm looking forward to talking uh, to Dan about that tomorrow morning. Uh, basketball news from yesterday, the Celtics with a much-needed victory. There's no other way to put it. Uh, A solid 120-111 to win uh, over the Charlotte Hornets last night. A team that just beat them um, a few days ago. And they did it without Kemba Walker. They did it without Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart was serving a one-game suspension after uh, some comments he made to some referees. Uh, Kemba Walker's out. He's got a left oblique injury, so you don't have two of those guys. So what do they do last night? How about Tremont Waters, the kid out of New Haven, Connecticut? Starts at the point last night for the Celtics, and, look, by and large, I thought acquitted himself well, played 24 minutes, 6 points, 6 assists. He did have three turnovers, but he had a couple of steals, uh, had really great energy last night, Um, and... Brad Stevens did something that I have been begging him to do, and that was get Semi Ogilvy out of there. Semi Ogilvy did not play last night. He just started the night before. And all season long, for whatever reason, Brad Stevens seems to have been enamored with this guy, uh, did not play last night. So Jason Tatum with 35, Jalen Brown with 38, and they both shot the ball well. Usually one of them shoots well and the other one stinks. Last night they both shot... Well, 25 for 46 combined. Uh, They combined for 73 of the Celtics, 120 points. Uh, Solid game by Tristan Thompson last night, 12 points, 13 rebounds, couple of block shots. Uh, You can't ask for much more than that. Again, uh, the Celtics still a little bit undermanned. Robert Williams did get some time last night, came off the bench, played about 16 minutes coming off that injury. He had four points. Uh, but nine rebounds, couple of block shots. so the Celtics played some good defense last night. Aaron Naismith 31 minutes off 31 minutes off the bench last night uh 15 points, nine rebounds, three blocks, three steals and played some smothering defense I mean he he tends to be foul prone there's no question about that he picked up five fouls um, in 31 minutes but he was a big part of what made that team go last night. Um, so I, I thought that, you know, and maybe Jalen Brown had something to do with this. He kind of lit his team up after that loss against Oklahoma city on Tuesday and said, Hey, look, uh, you know, we have to play with a sense of urgency and he's right. Look, they, they, uh, uh, they are 33 and 30 right now with nine games left in the season. They're, they're sitting in sixth place in the East Tied with the Heat, but they're only one game now behind the Atlanta Hawks for the fifth spot. You know, they have got... They have no margin for error left. No question about that. Uh, One game behind Atlanta. They're only two games behind the Knicks. They still have an opportunity to get a top-four position. They're not catching Milwaukee at this point. Milwaukee would have to go in the tank. That's not happening. So the best that they can hope for... Um, is to finish in fourth, and at this point, the way things have gone, I think the Celtics would sign up for that immediately. But a solid win last night, a game that they absolutely had to have. It's 41 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll get back to some baseball uh, as we wrap things up here on a Thursday morning. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's uh, 44 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Thursday morning. By the way, it's uh, Willie Nelson's 88th birthday today. Man, uh, I guess he is kind of like the, uh, the walking poster for marijuana can give you a long life, right? 88 years old today. God love him. Uh, and still recording, still singing. You know, there was a time he was on one of the award shows. I want to say... Hmm. Last year, and I didn't think he was going to make it. It was like he couldn't breathe. Uh, it was it was bad. Uh, but uh, he seems to have recovered from whatever was going on there, and uh, still kicking at eighty eight years old. So, a uh, happy birthday to Willie Nelson. Uh, scary moment last night in the Phillies Cardinals game. I don't know if you saw the this and uh, talk about lucky. Uh, sixth inning of last night's game, Hennessy Cabrera comes on in relief for the St. Louis Cardinals, and the first pitch he throws hits Bryce Harper right in the face. Now, you know, when you first saw it, you're like, oh, my God, he's dead. I mean, honestly, Then you watch it on replay, and you see exactly how lucky, if getting hit in the face can be called lucky, exactly how lucky Bryce Harper was in this game last night. On slow motion replay, you see it come across his face, and it hits just below his eye, and it's kind of a glancing blow. And it scrapes like across the skin. And look, there's no question it hurt. Jesus, it was 97 miles an hour. And uh, he was obviously taken out of the game. There was like a little abrasion. Didn't look like a lot of blood. Didn't break anything. Had a CT scan after the game. Everything's fine. He went on. Uh, yeah, he did a uh, a zoom thing afterwards and was showing everybody. Look, I'm okay. See, you know, all the tests came back. Absolutely frightening. Um, and then right after that, after he hits Harper, Didi Gregorius comes up, and Cabrera hits him. So, two batters, and he hits them both. And by the way, it was the next pitch after hitting Harper. Now you can understand Cabrera's. It's a tight game. I think it was a uh, a four three game at the time. Actually, I think it might have even been tied. It was. It was a tie game. So Cabrera comes in, and he hits two guys. And because of the rule where you can't take somebody out until they face three batters, he had to face the next guy. (laughs) Andrew McCutcheon was the next guy up. Now, if you're Andrew McCutcheon, (laughs) probably the last thing you want to do is step in against this guy Because he's just plunked two guys on two pitches. Well, McCutcheon ends up getting a single. And then they can get Cabrera out of there because the three batters have been lifted. And Mike Schilt, the manager of the Cardinals, said, Hey, look, uh, if we didn't have that rule after he hit Didi Gregorius, I would have taken him out of the game. But the rule said I had to leave him in. Now, there's no question it wasn't intentional. You know, And Cabrera, you know, after the game was all apologetic and, you know, it was like, you, know, you could see it was not intentional. You know, the kid was amped up. It was a tight game. And it, look, you know, it just got away. Um, but this is – and this is one of those things where, um, you know, you you create a rule and then you have these kind of unintended consequences. And this is – after this, you wonder if – Well, two things. Will Major League Baseball consider changing the rule? Now, they probably won't based on just one incident. However, the thing that should have happened here, in my mind, if you are the umpire and a guy has just hit two batters in a row, one of them in the head or in the face, if you're the umpire... You have to eject that pitcher. Even if it wasn't intentional, and it wasn't, if they're going to leave that rule in the game that you have to face three batters, if you're the umpire there, you have to throw Hennessy Cabrera out of the game just for safety. As I said, can you imagine being Andrew McCutcheon after two guys have gotten plunked like that on two consecutive pitches and having to face him? The umpire should have thrown him out of the game you know or they maybe they need to to make some caveat here where if you know an incident like that giving the umpire the discretion to get him out of the game not have him ejected because you when you're ejected that's a fine right i mean it's if you get thrown out of a game by an umpire you know it's it's a fine but maybe major league baseball has to make an adjustment to this where if a guy appears to be so wild that that there is a safety issue here that perhaps the umpire should have the discretion of letting the umpire or letting the manager remove him from the game, even if he hasn't faced three batters. Don't, I mean, don't you, I mean, it just, it it seems to me that would be the smart thing to do. So anyway, at the end of the day, uh, because of the hit batters and the hit by McCutcheon, the Phillies score a run in the sixth. They add another one in the seventh. They come back and end up beating the St. Louis Cardinals uh, in this one 5-3. to three. Um, But a scary moment. And now the Phillies are tied atop the NL East with the Atlanta Braves with that 12-12 and 12 record. And, again, you know, you continue to look around the standings in Major League Baseball, and it is amazing that with the exception of a handful of teams – like, look at the NL. The San Francisco Giants are 16-9. and nine. I mean, That's probably, that's more improbable than the Red Sox being 16-9 and nine at this point in the season. But if you look at, you got the Red Sox, you've got uh, Kansas City, another team that's 15-8. and eight, You're like, what? You know, and then you have, uh, as I said, you have uh, the Dodgers and the Giants in the NL West. But outside of that? It's like everybody in Major League Baseball is is within a couple of games of 500. It's amazing. Um, it's a, and I don't know whether you want to call it a whole bunch of mediocrity or if it's. I mean, it's probably not. It's just a statistical anomaly, but it's really strange. We have like four teams, maybe five, if you count the Oakland Athletics, because they're 15 and 10. Uh, but they're kind of going in the opposite direction now. But uh, it's just odd. The, the, you know, so the Washington, excuse me, the uh, the Phillies and the uh, the Braves tied atop the NL East with 12 and 12 records. That's Crazy. Um, the Astros with a win yesterday. That's another team that got off to an absolutely hideous start. The Seattle Mariners got off to a great start. Uh, they are starting to come back down to earth. The Astros win yesterday seven to five. This was a uh, hell of a comeback. For the Houston Astros, they scored four runs in the bottom of the eighth inning. um, And they win the game at home seven to five. Um, It was the first time in eight games this year that the Astros have won the game when they've been trailing after uh, seven innings. And they were down to their final five outs. And it was a bunch of pinch hitters that came in and got the rally started. Uh, Jason Castro, Oled Mestiaz, uh, Miles Straw, uh, and uh, they got it done, and the Astros come back to win this one 7-5. to Zach Greinke was not great last night, uh, managed to make, make it through just four innings, gave up four runs, uh, walked a couple of guys, um, and uh, Dunn was not great for the Seattle Mariners either, so this one was left to the bullpens, and uh, Houston able to get it done. They win this one 7-5. to The Minnesota Twins, we talked yesterday on the show about, geez, I wonder if Rocco Baldelli is in a little bit of a hot seat situation In in uh, Minnesota, they were eight or excuse me, seven and fifteen going into yesterday's game. Well, they pounded the Indians yesterday, uh, ten to two, and uh, Logan Allen got the start and gave up six runs in an inning and a third. Three bombs. He got four outs and gave up three home runs in this game. Um, So uh, Byron Buxton with a leadoff homer. Uh, Josh Donaldson went deep. Polanco went deep. Uh, Willens lost the Went deep. Mitch Garver hit a couple. So everybody uh, getting on the hit parade yesterday for Minnesota. Uh, for Minnesota they win ten to two. Jay Happ a strong start for Minnesota. Seven innings, just four hits, and a couple of runs. Um, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim now one game over five hundred. They beat the Red Sox. Next opponent, they beat them uh, by a final of four to three last night. The Angels twelve and eleven. The Rangers fall to 10 and 15. Uh, Cobb got the start. Alex Cobb got the start for the Angels last night. It was not very good, but a strong performance out of the bullpen for the Angels last night. Seven shutout innings from the Angels' bullpen. They allowed just two hits and one walk in seven innings and allowed the Angels to come back and win this one. Well, actually, they didn't come back. They had four runs in the first inning, and the in end, the bullpen made it uh, stand up. Mike Trout. Just one for four in this game last night. Shoei Otani with a hit as well. Um, and the Angels win it by a final of four to three. Uh, we talked about the Braves. The Braves put a hurting on the Cubs last night. Final in that one, 10 to nothing. Atlanta scored four in the first and two in the second. Ended up with 18 hits. Uh, Liam Hendricks gave up 11 hits and seven runs and three and two thirds innings. Ouch. Uh, Gabriel Yanoa with the start last night, a five and a third shutout innings. Uh, for the Atlanta Braves in this one. Uh, Atlanta hit five, count them, five home runs in this one, uh, and none of them were by uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, he actually had a very quiet evening, even though uh, his team went off. Uh, he had a very, very quiet evening. Um, the Nationals, uh, with a win last night, they beat the Blue Jays 8-2, to um, and uh, the Blue Jays had been red hot but uh, they get cooled off a little bit last night uh, after they had uh, roughed up Max Scherzer. Uh, of all people, to kind of stop the slide, Eric Fetty improved to 2-2 two and two on the season with the victory last night for the Washington Nationals. Uh, the story in this one, George Springer made his debut with the Toronto Blue Jays coming off that injury. He said he's still not 100%, but uh, let off uh, as the designated hitter, went 0-4 in the game. Toronto managed just five hits in this one. Uh, Fetty went six, gave up just two hits and uh, one run. Steven Matz, his first bad appearance for the Toronto Blue Jays, he had been great in his previous four starts, but last night he gives up eight hits in six runs in just three and two-thirds innings. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We will be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one. As I said, uh, Dan Zampano is going to join us. To talk about the NFL draft, we leave you this morning. Why not? It's his birthday, so here's a little uh, Willie Nelson as we go out this morning. And as I said, I think he is the uh, the poster boy for marijuana, right? So we'll leave you this morning with one that he did uh, uh, with Merle Haggard. It's called "It's Called Going a Pot." Happy birthday, Willie! We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.